Hey everyone, it's Marcus. A couple of quick updates before we get into today's episode with Anthony Canada, CMO at Front. Anthony isn't a PMM, but he's a really product-driven CMO with amazing experience building brands and creating categories. In the episode today, Anthony talks about how hard it is to be a PMM, but also how much he values them. Uh, he also talks about how hard it is to find product marketing leadership talent. They just hired a head of product marketing uh, and are thrilled with that hire, but only after a really long search. Uh, in the episode, we talk about why recruiting for PMMs is so hard. So more there if you listen on. Um, but I think Sharebird and this podcast can really help out a lot here. So if you are hiring for a product marketer, post your role on sharebird.com slash job dash portal. We'll spotlight a few every week on the show, on the site, uh, and that's sharebird.com slash job dash portal. So check it out, post your jobs, look around. I also talked with Anthony about how when PMMs can become true experts on a market, they just become so damn valuable to the entire company, to product, to sales, to leadership, you name it. Becoming a market expert is super hard though. So I'm super excited to share that Crayon is now an official sponsor of the product marketing experts. I use Crayon and I can 100% attest to the value it brings to helping you become a market expert. Crayon automates competitive research across your market's entire digital footprint. It analyzes key trends and makes acting on insights easy. This means dynamically updated battle cards, alerts, dashboards, and much more. Crayon is a great tool for marketers looking to maintain differentiated messaging, improve sales win rates, catch important updates from competitors, moves they'd otherwise missed. You can find out more at crayon.co. Welcome to the family crayon. Alex and I really only want to work with sponsors that advocate for and help product marketers. And Ellie and the whole crew at Crayon absolutely do. Um, they have some great content, some great resources. So super excited to have them on board. All right, let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Product Marketing Experts brought to you by Sharebird. I'm your host, Marcus Andrews, and today we are going to dive deep into brand strategy and category creation. When you're a small company just starting out, there's sort of this natural pull to conform to the status quo, to look and sound like everybody else in your space. It feels safe in that in doing so might give you some sort of added credibility. But in reality, you just wind up getting lost in a sea of similar solutions. Just another point solution in a crowded category. People today are overwhelmed by choice. They need help figuring out how you are different. A small handful of companies have really, really excelled at this. They break through the noise and they build a distinct brand and voice. Instead of just looking at their technology and accepting their fate, they write their own story. They design their own narrative. They create their own category. They really, really invest in brand and community. These companies win. HubSpot, Drift, Gainsight, to name a few. Product marketers can play a really central role in this work. How we help companies position themselves, craft their product story, and build identity are really some of the key ingredients that you need to build a successful brand. However, setting out to build a great brand or maybe even create a category feels like a monumental task, right? It can feel extremely overwhelming and also very, very risky. So I wanted to get a product marketing expert to come and help us. Anthony Canada is the CMO at Front where him and his team are really reimagining email with a customer communications platform. And thank God, email at work is, is tough. So super excited for their work there. And he's also the former CMO of Gainsight, the company that really popularized customer success and created that category. 
So super excited to have him on the show and dig into this topic. Anthony, how's it going? It's going well, man. Thanks so much for having me on. Awesome. It's great to have you. So Anthony, uh, you seem to be a diehard Lakers fan. Is that right? I, I, I am, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I live in Boston and I'm a pretty big Celtics fan if you ask the people I work with or, or my friends. Uh, and this could totally derail the entire podcast, but how are you going to feel when the NBA starts back up and Jason Tatum is dunking all over LeBron in the finals this summer? Oh man, just pause the recording right here. This is, this is it. Uh, I don't know. He's got to get, I think he can probably get by LeBron, but he's going to have, have some trouble with uh, JaVale and Dwight uh, under, the, under, under the rim. So uh, we'll see what happens. Dwight, maybe. I'm not as worried about JaVale, but um, you know, I don't know. No, the Lakers are good. This is, I'm super excited for the, uh, for the bubble and the NBA coming back. I, it's it's uh, going gonna, gonna to keep me entertaining in, while we're still quarantining here. So. Totally. Awesome. So you are a uh, two-time CMO now, two different successful companies. Uh, how did you, wh- what's your marketing story? How did you get into marketing in the first place? Yeah, it's pretty interesting because I, I definitely didn't seek out a career in marketing, which is, is kind of funny. Um, I started off in sales and, and just kind of you know, broke my way into, into tech kind of that way out, out of college. Then I moved to BD, so really liked working on partnerships. But I had a pretty good opportunity to do a kind of minor early career transition and get into product, which is where I thought that I'd be spending a lot of my time. So our, our company, the Live Office, was acquired by Symantec. And in that transition, I had a chance to run a product team at Symantec that was building a brand new organic product in-house. So that was... Uh, something that I, I thought I would be really investing in and building. I, you know, went to pragmatic marketing and got certified, did everything I can to learn how to be a product manager or product leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got a phone call from, from Nick, who was my, my CEO at live office telling me about this company. He was going to join that would end up becoming Gainsight and asked me if I was interested. And I put together a 30, 60, 90 plan on, you know, look, here's how I'd run product. And, and he's the one that asked me, Hey, how do you, you know, what, what do you think about marketing? So we had to bring in a lot of sort of first principles early on, um, partially because as you were kind of talking about in the intro, um, Gainsight was, was setting off on this quest to like build a new category. And there wasn't a lot of best practices document on how to do that. But because I was a first time marketer, all, all I had was first, first principles. So, it, you know, we had to really kind of figure a lot of things out. So um, that was sort of how I found my path here. And you know, good thing because I'm, I, I definitely love the discipline, um, you know, I've been able to kind of grow up now professionally in, in kind of the modern marketing mix. And um, it's been a lot of fun and, and, you know, a lot of learning obviously left to do, but it's been a community I've been excited to be a part of. Absolutely. And you, and you guys have done really great, great work there. I think we definitely look up to some of the work that you've done in category creation and just around the services space at HubSpot. So your background is interesting too, because you were obviously in like more of a, you're in a product role and then you moved into marketing. And I, I'm curious if any of that stayed with you, you know, that does it make you more of a product driven marketer or do you think you're different from some CMOs who maybe didn't have that product background? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think it added to the toolkit for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, you know, when we're building a, a new product from scratch at a behemoth company like Symantec, you know, we talked to a lot of customers and we were trying to understand, you know, the pain that customers were, were feeling. And we, we would have to express that in requirements that an engineer can go and build product against. So that was something that, you know, the notion of uh, talking to customers, you know, to incubate things like messaging and, you know, other, other ideas uh, I didn't really have in the toolkit. Um, but I, you know, I look back, there were a lot of things I had done 
over the years that didn't really feel like marketing, but only looking backwards kind of looked like it. So in college, you know, my job was putting on uh, concerts on campus and that was got me, I think the bug for like events and, and that sort of thing. I worked on like the website for an organization I was a part of in school. So like I found like, you know, looking backwards, I think I had like a pull into marketing in, in sort of an understanding of, uh, of those different kind of outputs. But what the product experience helped me do was, was really I think connected to the market, connected to customers. And uh, I think put us in a good position for, for building uh, customer success and building Gainsight. What is your expectation from product marketing and how do you think they sort of fit into uh, you know, a marketing team, um, when you're building a team, when you're getting started? Yeah. So I, you know, actually we just, uh, I've been at front for about six, seven months now, and we're just sort of building product marketing now. And I've had, uh, we hired an amazing leader named Christiana who just joined us. And, you know, it's honestly without, uh, saying other departments sort of have it easier product marketing is probably the hardest, uh, <laughs> sub-function of, of marketing. And you probably hear this all the time, or certainly the community might, might feel it or, or help validate it. Um, and I think the reason is you have to be, you know, at the highest level an expert in the market. And so I know we're gonna talk about category creation a lot. What are the existing categories out there? Where do we fit? You know, what's our messaging? How do we develop that? So the sort of alignment to the market is super important. You have to be able to um, win the trust of the sales organization mm-hmm. and help enable them in order to sell better, you know, focus on the right types of customers, that sort of thing. And then in customer success as well, in this new world, right? Like how do we ensure that the programs we're running are helping our CS teams drive more value with the installed base and then with a product team. So new launches, uh, you know, ultimately ensuring that, you know, the, the roadmap is being communicated to customers, all of the, the different kind of components there. So I can't think of another function within marketing and maybe anywhere in the org chart that has to be such a uh, swivel chair and serve all of these different departments. And so it's incredibly strategic, but also one of the hardest jobs in marketing. And I have a lot of empathy for, uh, for product marketers and, and having to, to navigate that. Yeah, that is, uh, yeah, you're definitely preaching to the choir here. I think um, I like to call product marketers kind of cross-functional momentum makers because mm-hmm. uh, it is really, really challenging. But when you do have, uh, you know, a good uh, glue person. It's like, you know, like in, like in basketball, right? Like um, uh, it's nice to have a, a glue guy uh, to help kind of bring the team together who can do a lot of different things. And I think that same thing is kind of true in business and that if you have great product marketers, they can bring a lot of momentum to certain projects because they do have all this cross-functional experience. And once they're in there and they know the team, they can, they can bring a lot of momentum if they're able to pull off what, what you're kind of saying here. That's right. No, I totally agree. I think that's what makes the, the role of the sort of product marketing leaders so hard to like find. Like we, so we're, we're so fortunate that Christiana joined us, but there's, you know, the search is, it was super complex. And, you know, I think there's a lot of folks that have done product marketing before, but to, to be that, the person you're kind of describing there is, it's hard to find. So I think that it's a role, it's a career that's, that's somewhat future-proof, I guess, for, for folks that are aspiring to lead PM, uh, PMM teams. Yeah. Yeah. That the experience and just how product marketing can be done differently at different places too. So I, I've heard that a lot where, you know, people trying to find a product marketing leader is, is a challenge because um, you can be different at different places. So it's hard to know on paper what you're going to get exactly. So you did a, a really great AMA on Sharebird, which is awesome. You got really deep into brand. 
you know, I was talking a little bit about it in the upfront, but what's your take on that? You know, if you're a, it seems like you would prioritize brand if you were a startup, you can disagree, but like, you know, why would you do that or not do that? If you know, you've got a small company, you're at the founding stage, like, is yeah. it the right time to start thinking about brand? Is it too early? Yeah. And this is a topic I'm, I'm pretty passionate about. I, I think, um, brand for too long has been this like, um, marginalized, uh, focus for, at least for enterprise software companies. I think folks in, in B2C have long appreciated that, you know, you either buy Pepsi or Coke, but you have an affinity towards one of these brands. And so at like, at scale brand is, is the ultimate differentiator for, for a company. But in B2B, we said, look, we build things and we sell things and ultimately brand doesn't really matter. That's like a corporate marketing expense, right? That we invest in eventually. Mm-hmm. And I think nothing could be, you know, more, um, limiting for the potential of a business. And it, it stems to me back from, uh, and this is kind of cheesy, but Simon Sinek had that Ted talk, right. About starting with why, yeah. um, for too long companies have focused on articulating the what of, of their, their offering. So this is our product. This is the new launch. This is the new feature. Um, uh, those types of things. And then focusing on the how, whether it's their sales team or their, um, you know, channel partners, whatever the case may be, that telling the why didn't really matter. But at the end of the day, customers buy products emotionally and customers are on this journey to solve a problem. And your products are a big part of that, but so is your relationship that you're building with, with that uh, customer or with the market at large through your, your content efforts, your community efforts, your, your events. HubSpot is like the preeminent example of this with inbound and everything that you all have built. Um, so I, I, the idea of even in the earliest stage of, of the business, starting to think about your why, articulating that why, and getting folks to almost like start a movement behind the why um, is not just a way to um, you know, double your valuation over the next uh, two or three years, but rather, you know, to help hit the number, because if you're creating content programs that are driving folks into your website, they're engaging with you, ultimately that turns into a demo or, you know, an engagement from a sales professional. So all of these things help both drive long-term value, but also short-term results when placed sort of at the heart of your marketing uh, strategy. Absolutely. I, I worked at a startup in 2011 called Wildfire, and we were one of two or three social media marketing companies. Mm -hmm. And so we just said, we said, Hey, we're a social media marketing company and this is how we do it. And that was enough. You know, it didn't, it didn't matter just because there was, we didn't have any competition, but now it's every category is so freaking crowded that unless you have that identity and you've got other, you know, you've got a product, sure, but you've also got a point of view, you've got community, you've got content, you know, you've got all these other moats around you. Um, and I just like, there's a, lots of examples right now in these companies with this really strong identity that are, they're winning. So totally. does, does product marketing play into that at all? I mean, like how, or maybe just the products, like, you know, are you thinking about your brand story and your identity and that sort of thing? Is there, how does the product mix in with that? How should product marketers think about that? Yeah, totally. So I, I think if, if you took just my response to the last question and factored product marketing out of it you're either a media company or a nonprofit mm-hmm. because you're, you're effectively just pushing good content. You're, you know, getting folks excited about this concept, but if you're a software company, ultimately you have to monetize, right? Like you can't, that won't be an initiative that gets funded very long. 
unless you're able to turn that into, into pipeline, turn into deals, turn into renewals. So ultimately product marketing fits within this, uh, the construct in a really important way. The first is at the market level, like what, you know, what category are you playing in? Or are you creating a new one? Like an understanding of, of what the market scape looks like is really critical. The competitive um, landscape, all of these things are, are windows that pro the product marketing team can help us kind of peer through. But ultimately the, the messaging within the product should also reflect or at least be the take sort of the handoff from the brand messaging. Otherwise it, it all falls apart. If you're going out in the market expressing this like really feel good story that people are really resonating around, but then the product that you're, you're presenting in front of them as a solution to that problem isn't is disconnected or is not quite as rooted in uh, the why, then, you know, I think you're, you're setting yourself up for, for trouble. And, and I, I think of this too, in this like Maslow's hierarchy of needs pyramid, right? Like we, we all are on this path in our careers to solve, solve problems. You know, you could, you could say, you know, I want to grow faster. I want to, you know, re relaunch the website and my job as a demand marketer or as a designer, you know, is to do this. I've listened to your podcasts. I, I've downloaded your content and you've really helped me think through that. And that's kind of the value that I'm getting from brand, but the product ought to help accelerate my path up the pyramid. It ought to help me move even faster, operationalize the things that the best practices you've been talking about and ultimately get to my uh, moment of, of self-actualization or whatever it is uh, as a result. So I think the product marketing team, you know, uh, is, is such an important part of this there. It's sort of at the hip with, with the brand marketing team. And, you know, without it, we're, we're all just, uh, <laughs> I think we're, we're just doing this for the likes otherwise. Yeah, no, I, lo I love that. How you talk about it is without product marketing, it's that you're, you're either a media company or a nonprofit. And I, I think that's really, really true. I think, you know, product marketing can pull can kind of keep that, keep everybody rooted in the product. And then that's ultimately what you sell at the end of the day. And then also if you've got, you know, if you have a great narrative or if you if you're defining a category and that's it's something really central to the business i've seen at least that that gives everybody direction you know from product oh. to like it's a similar experience for you oh yeah that's a really important point like um i think the in my experience at least the product team um can benefit from hearing from product marketing as to what the true north is yeah so if we're you know building and releasing features based on what we think this, you know, the product should look like or uh, what the customers are asking us to build, you know, I think that's, that's good, but a better, a better way to do it is to say, here's what the future of this, this category looks like. Here's where we want to get to, you know, let's build towards this future and really integrating the category story into the product strategy. I think, you know, I think a lot of folks will look to product marketing to help lead that. Absolutely. So you wrote this really great book on creating category, uh, category creation and it's about kind of your time at Gainsight when you worked with Nick Meta and you, you guys really popularized the category of customer success, which is similar in a lot of ways, like you mentioned, to how kind of HubSpot got started with inbound marketing. In fact, Brian Halligan wrote the forward for your book, which is awesome. Uh, there's a quote from that, which I've heard uh, Halligan kind of say some version of that I just wanted to read to you and um, just to understand a little bit more about it. Uh, the quote is, the true competition for category creators, especially in the early days, is creating enough inertia to will the market into existence. 
and being ignorant, ignorant enough to not be distracted by what the competition is doing. I, yeah. I love that quote. Can you tell me more about that? Like, how did you guys will the market into existence? Yeah. And, and by the way, the, you know, the book stands on the, the shoulders of Halligan and, and the, the HubSpot <laughs> team for, yeah. for really paving the way. But, you know, I, I think the, the interesting thing about our journey was, you know, we didn't always have the biggest budget. We didn't always have a lot of people who believed or bought in on, on the narrative, even in the earliest days. Um, but what, what, once we felt the conviction, uh, once we talked to customers and, and, you know, started doing little events and, and had folks, you know, give us feedback and feeling this, like having them say it back to us that, that yes, this, this is, you know, the, the, the problem that you're, you're talking about is something that resonates deeply with me, you know, we then were like, we need to go out, you know, and, and, and be in front of the market as much as possible and, and use the language of customer success or the category or whatever, whatever it is, speak the message into, into the world, even when no one really did it. So what did that mean tactically? Like we bought all the domains. Um, we positioned our blog as the official online home of, of the customer success community, you know, we um, did an event and called it the industry event of record for customer success. We started carving out our space and then we started, uh, you know, we put a big premium, not just on creating great content, but also a cadence of, of release of content so that we weren't this like um, static web property or static brand, but that you can count on, you know, three blog posts a week or whatever from, mm -hmm. from Gainsight that's going to help serve this, this, this persona or this community that, that had previously been somewhat marginalized. At least no company was really paying attention to them in, in a very meaningful way. So we sort of, you know, just said, let's move as fast as we can and deliver as much value as we possibly can to this group. And, you know, who knows when, when they're um, the promise of inbound, right? When they're ready to buy a product, hopefully we would have delivered enough value along the way that they're going to think of us and they're going to come to us first. Now, we had other competitors in, in the space during this time. So we had a few folks and earlier on, you know, I think we were all kind of circulating around this customer success thing, a few folks more closer to it than, than others. But it, with the ambition to be the market leader, we didn't really, we were obviously paying attention to what the, the competition was doing, but we didn't let it get in the way of our 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 effort of our plans and of the, the campaigns and the language that we were using. We didn't really zig when they zagged or anything along those lines, right? We just kept, kept our focus maniacally uh, on the, the true North of positioning customer success as a cognitive reference in the minds of the market of this is a thing. Yeah. So I think that's kind of what, what it's rooted into. And it, it, it's probably a quote reserved for folks that are in categories with, the potential to be the market leader. If you're in a disruptor position and which is a totally fine go to market, uh, you're trying to unseat a, a competitor. I don't know that you can totally be ignorant of the competition. There, there's, you know, there's different kind of challenger sale, challenger marketing motions that, that might be helpful. Mm -hmm. But for folks that are saying, I want to be the, the dominant market leader in my, my space, the quote holds true. 
Well, I think it's, uh, you know, I think it feels very risky to not talk about your company all the time, you know, and I think where you, how invested you were in the idea of customer success Mm -hmm. and that whole, you know, movement, I think is what maybe where you do have to kind of say like, you know, this is what we're going to, we're bought into this and we're going to run with this idea. Because I think to a lot of, um, I'm sure at some point people at Gainsight had had to say like, hey, this is a bad idea. We should talk about our company more, you know, or invest more in like, the how did that ever happen did you guys face that yeah i did i mean i think we thought of it as two separate products we thought of pulse and the community and and the category work as like one product that deserved its own roadmap and and whatnot and then obviously we thought of our our product marketing as a, a big component of that so best way to think about it was sort of from from a funnel perspective and be cheesy as a as a marketer to to, to bring up a funnel but you know we said that we want to entice folks to come into the funnel and, and be an online conversion by de- delivering the best content and getting them exposure to the brand. But f- very quickly thereafter, we had to position the product as a way to accelerate progress or operationalize your customer success journey. And so to do that, once we got further down the funnel, we certainly did things like you know competitive intelligence and sales enablement and training and depositioning the competition in the sales process. So all of that stuff is, is for sure a part of it. I think the, the, at least from the quote, the, the perspective we were kind of taking there was out into the market. We weren't going to acknowledge the competition by name. We weren't going to react to any guerrilla marketing that might happen at, at our you know, large events and that sort of thing. So I think that's kind of how we, 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 we drew the line in the sand. Yeah, absolutely. It almost feels like product-led growth, you know, like you're bringing people into kind of this free product and then upselling them into your, your real product to operationalize. Yeah, the, totally. yeah. And it, it gets dangerous. So, I mean, there is a dark side to it in that you get a lot of folks potentially, and I wrote about this in the book, I call it the, the two funnel effect. You get a lot of folks that buy into the former, they buy into the brand and the events and they're like, oh my gosh, I love HubSpot. I love Gainsight. But then, you know, you put a you know, 100K contract in front of them um, and they're like, oh, like, wow, like I, don't, I don't know if we're ready for that yet. So there's a chasm that exists between the two. So I think product marketing plays a really important role to helping capture that, that brand intent and the awareness and then converting it to, to you know, product intent. Yeah, absolutely. We talk a lot about that and how intent matters so much and the impact that product marketing can have on that. Another thing you say in the book that I thought was really interesting is that you say people are at the heart of category creation, not products. And that, and and you really dig into kind of communities of people and establish and you use this hierarchy of needs that you kind of establish with them. I love that bit. Well, you know, why is that true? I think why even as even for product marketers, I think that's really important to acknowledge and think about. But like, why are communities so important to category creation in your mind? Yeah, I, I, uh, so many ways, right? At, at the highest umbrella level, it's this idea that marketing is is getting pulled into this broader trend of you know, being human first or being human centric, you know, we're all feeling this in our our work lives right now, you know, due to the pandemic, like we've been kind of addicted to this hustle culture and work, work and productivity and, and trying to squeeze in more and more out of our day. And all of a sudden the world kind of stopped in March and now we're all working from home and we're feeling the, the impact of humanity, uh, you know, the stresses and the anxieties and the, perhaps the disorganization and having to take care of our children while also working. All of this has really shown that we're not just logos. We're not just buyers in a CRM. We're people at the end of the day. 
And so the best in breed companies are really starting to market around that, not to be disingenuous, but in fact, the opposite to be authentic and say, we, we acknowledge that. So I think that's sort of the, the baseline, but in general, for through the lens of category creation, often what you'll find when you're creating a new category is that there's an, an unmet need that you've sort of discovered. And typically the unmet need is, is felt most by a certain con constituency, a certain persona. And in that journey, and once you start to get kind of the, the feedback from those early customers or early, early folks that, hey, this, this is really resonating with me, they'll also find that it's kind of a lonely journey because they have to go and take that back into their, their companies and say, I wanna invest in this thing that you've never heard of, CFO, um, and I don't have budget for it, but I need it. And it, it sort of takes a toll. So especially in the early days, it's super important to appeal to that sense of belonging and that sense of finding other folks that, that are going through that same sort of lonely journey in, in your early category and get them together and, and get them to share best practices, get them to really feel like they're not sort of alone on, on, on the path that they're on. So I think that's important early on. But all the way through, if, if you're a, a, a business that's putting this new positioning out there and customers aren't saying it back to you, like the people aren't kind of responding and saying, you know, HubSpot is the, the leader and the creator of this inbound movement and their products have helped me grow and, and, and build my career, all of these sorts of things. If you're not, if you don't get that validation back, you know, it, it's all for naught. Like companies don't create categories, customers create categories. And that's kind of the, the perhaps the misleading part of the title of the book, but that sense of the, the humanity comes through all the way through it into market validation. So product marketing, long way of answering your question, but there's, there's a whole podcast on this one right here. Uh, product marketing, perhaps it depends on, on what the product marketing org looks like, but certainly for us, at least customer marketing has been a big part of the broader product marketing team. And so being able to understand these customer stories to build sort of both the online communities, but also like the user groups and these, these other types of programs, but also to build the, the, the advocacy programs that give folks in the, in the market, the, the stage to go and share their stories with the industry. You know, imagine inbound is, is a platform that many, you know, customers and perhaps even non-customers alike, you know, look forward to the opportunity to speak at one day because they're able to share their, the, the humanity of their job with, with the market that, and, and the, the community that they belong to. So these are all things that I think are, are a big part of, of product marketing charter from the earliest days all the way through market validation and, and, and beyond. But, you know, honestly, I don't think there's anything more important than to, to work for a company that realizes that and isn't just a, you know, isn't just a product uh, first yeah. company, but as a product first company and, and, and uh, that, that's intending to deliver that product to benefit the humans at the companies they're trying to sell to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you made some excellent points in there. I think, and I totally think you're right. Like that is a, I've had been pretty fortunate to work at companies with CEOs that care really, really deeply about that, which is huge. And I think your point around just like, you know, the companies and the products aren't creating the category, but the people are right. Like this is a, it's a community, your category is a community. I think 
in some ways product marketing is that's happening in product marketing right now where there's a lot of product marketers i think who are you know solo product marketers at a company and it's like they're on this lonely journey and they don't know you know they don't have mentors or bosses to say like this is how product marketing works and so you know i think that's why i wanted to create the podcast just because it helps bring us together and create that community and common language and there's a big there's sites like sharebird and big slack communities that do they're doing the same thing totally no i see the i see the the parallel in there for sure yeah so one question I wanted to ask you was maybe, I don't know how quick this will be, probably not, but like you talk about naming a little bit, like, you know, the one thing that I talk a lot about is narrative design. It's, it's a little bit different than category creation, but it's the same idea that you're like creating this new game. But if you're, you know, if you're creating a game or building a category, like how do you, what is a good name versus a bad name if you're trying to like name the thing you do or the category that you play in? Yeah. So this is this is a, a pretty hard question to answer. I spent a little bit of time on it on the book, but admittedly, it's not. It's hard to find a lot of science behind this. Mm. And what happened at Gainsight may not be a model that you can replicate elsewhere. And I, I can share a bit about my learning that at front. But at Gainsight, what was it, it, the clue that we had about naming the category came from the job title. So it goes back to what we were just talking about, about sort of this, the humanity of the market. We knew that the people in the job that were tasked with retaining customers, driving value, perhaps even upselling customers were named customer success managers. We didn't, we didn't name them. We just, you know, discovered uh, them sort of along the way. And so it became clear that they were the folks that we were going to have to, you know, uh, you know, build community around and ultimately the folks that would buy the product or at least champion the product internally, depending on, on where, where the organization is. So it was pretty easy for us to say, oh, interesting. Let me Google customer success and see what comes up or customer success management and see what comes up. And there was very little. And then we looked at like Google trends data and we're like, oh, interesting. Then we went to GoDaddy and like the .org and the .net were available. Not the .com, that always evaded me, but the <laughs> .net and the .org are available. So I feel like there, there's, there's clearly some white space here um, in the market. So one of the clues for folks listening is, is there a, a, a persona or maybe even an, an initiative within the organization um, that you can kind of hook onto um, that's familiar, or at least for, for, for that audience is familiar. Um, the, the second part then, or, or, or the second part then is I, what I appreciated about Gainsight too. It, it was sort of like outcome um, based, right? It wasn't your typical Gartner, um, description of a category, like, you know, uh, three letter acronym basically. Yeah. Um, I guess CSM is in some cases, but we didn't talk about it as much uh, in that way. We talked about customer success. There was something like hopeful about mm-hmm. that, that I think worked, worked pretty well for us. Of course, I want to make my customers successful. Especially versus support too. I mean, I think that's exactly. like, I love that where it's like support kind of like in that, how fun is it to be like a support rep versus like a customer success rep too? There's a lot of good things in there. Totally, totally. But the issue we ran it honestly at front, like the, the big Campbell is like, all right, cool. You wrote the book on it. You did it against, so I do it again. Um, <laughs> no pressure. Oh, no pressure. Coming <laughs> to stop, right. Um, you know, I think one of the things in, and, and we went on this journey because we started off as a shared inbox. That was how people knew us. Um, that was also the product that we had in market that the company had some really, really great product market fit around. And then we've sort of evolved outside of shared inbox to this, you know, zooming out to email in general and saying, we've built this collaborative email product 
for businesses and collaborative email and business that business email that was sort of where we landed but it didn't feel like the meta kind of category still it felt like we were talking about features or um perhaps like a, a, a product within our stack but it wasn't connected to what the outcome that, that our customers are trying to drive and so mm-hmm. we we've settled on on this category which may not be new necessarily but we're we're gonna work really hard to reimagine um going from here around customer communication because ultimately um Email is the, well, at least in the digital era, the earliest form of how companies communicated with customers. And our fundamental belief is that the best way for companies to grow and be successful in this new world is to get their teams and their customers connected together. We think that's like the heart of business where teams and customers really connect. And so ultimately we're in service, whether you're, you know, you work at the front desk at a company or you're on the CS team or you're the CEO or an engineer in service of helping make our customers successful or feel, feel, feel valued with, with all the different things that we're doing. And so that was sort of the, the emotional cord that we are, are trying to, to drive into and say, there's already a meta category of customer communication, but we want to be the ones to help define it. We want to be the ones to help um, uh, set some, some uh, foundation underneath. So that's sort of uh, the journey that we're on now. So applying some of the principles to naming that, that we mentioned, but um, it's not a, I wouldn't call it a copy paste strategy for any company in particular. Yeah, absolutely. The important thing though, that I think you're, you're doing and you're advocating is, is that you feel like you have like the agency to control your category and like shape it and, and popularize it and, and make it your own, which I think is just such good advice. Cause I do think that, a lot of companies just look at their technology, say that they play in this space that whoever Gartner G2 Crowd says right. it is, and then they just then they they have to do all the things that people yeah. expect in that space. And it's you can control it, you know, you can kind of design it and shape it. So totally. It goes back to the status quo comment you made in the opening, right? Like that's what people think is like, you know, the the way we market and the way we go to market is, you know, find what 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 two by two we fit in. And let's, you know, let's yeah. move up to the right. But I think this is sort of a, a, a call for, for rethinking that, that strategy in general. Yeah. I'm curious on your, what's your outlook on the career of product marketing? Do you think it's a good place to be as a, you know, as a CMO that's building teams? Do you think somebody's coming out of school? Do you think product marketing is a good place to kind of go into? Or maybe if they're in the middle of a career change, do you think product marketing has a good outlook? I totally do. I, I really, really do. And I know we've talked about it a little bit, but I think in general, if you're, if you, you really like solving complex problems and working with and collaborating with, you know, many, many parts of the organization and you have a, a bent toward marketing, this is, this is the right role for you. And I think because it's so complex, like l- l- let's look at the marketers around the, the leadership table. You've got demand gen, you've got brand, and it's maybe the two kind of big pillars outside of product marketing, you know, demand gen I think in general is, is super connected. To, it's like a, uh, a machine, there's a machine orientation to it, right? You understand kind of the inputs and outputs and how to work with sales. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, we're sort of driving against that brand. We've talked a lot about today, but, but product marketing feels like if, like one could make the case that it's a, it's a accelerated path to the CMO office because your understanding of the market and your understanding of the customers, and then your understanding of the product, you know, are very, very important uh, inputs into, I think, what makes a good CMO. So 
I, I, without offending the demand and brand folks that, that I, I care about so deeply, I do think that product marketing is um, a great, great career to be in. And as we were talking about earlier, hard and perhaps a little bit lonely along the way, but ultimately, re, you know, rewarding and, and redeeming. That's great to hear. And I think that I can see it too, where there are, seems to be a lot more CMOs who do have some sort of product background just because being product driven today is so really important. And yes, that variety of experience is very valuable. So glad that you shared that thought, Anthony. Is there anything where I'm excited? We're talking a little bit about some, you know, the launch you've got coming up with uh, front at some point this summer, which is super exciting, but uh, is there anything we should keep, we'll keep our eyes out for that, but is there anything else you're working on or want to share with anyone? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, we've been putting a lot of our energy behind it. So I think, you know, perhaps even by the time this airs, uh, you go to our website, you'll, you'll see, uh, see a whole new look for, for the company. So, you know, we've been operating under this like almost day zero mentality of we're building for day zero. We've worked with agencies. We've, you know, been prior to the pandemic, we actually went out and, and did into the market and really try to understand the human relationship with work and, and to put all of this together. So going forward from here, you know, this is, this is uh, uh, work that we're going to activate. This is community that we're going to start building. This is, um, you know, a lot of content and, and digital programs that we have never done before as a brand. So uh, look out for hopefully a lot from us over, over the next, uh, next several months here. But if you're, you know, if you're a company that, or if you're a per, an individual at a company that cares about making more impact in your work um, and finding ways to articulate that and tie it to your personal mission and your team's mission, your company's mission, I think that's the story that, that we're excited about telling. Awesome. Well, we will keep our eyes peeled for it. Uh, you know, I think when you're thinking about that, just that idea you said about, you know, companies connecting with their customers and there's all these different new ways that people communicate now. And so it's all, I think it's, it seems like to me, at least from my vantage point, the perfect time for something like this. Awesome, man. Thank you. Hey, well, thank you very much for coming on the show. Um, really, really appreciate your time and, uh, yeah, we'll keep our eyes peeled for that launch. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me.